That was Body Ache from Britney Spears' 2013 album, Britney Jean. On today's episode of the Original Doll Podcast with James Rodriguez, I talked to Maya Marie, the songwriter of Body Ache, as well as music producer Trace Adam. For those who are listening for the first time, the Original Doll Podcast with James Rodriguez is a philanthropic one. So whenever we have guests on, for every question that they answer, we donate an item to charity. So just being here on the episode of the podcast, they're helping make the world a little bit better. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you understand? Don't you want to aim for stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? Oh my goodness, I love you. Thank you so much for, for chatting with me, by the way. I truly appreciate it. Oh yeah, of course. No problem. Thank you. So basically, oh my God. Well, it, this, this is what's fun about this is that like, so I started this podcast just to kind of deep dive into music, pop culture, things like that. And using Britney Spears as kind of the connector because we all know yeah. her career, child star, things like that. And it yeah. kind of ex- expand. And so the listeners that we have have no idea that people are, it's a business behind her that- yeah. There are songwriters, backup singers, producers. And so several people are like, wait, who are you interviewing that you're excited about? I'm like, you'll you'll find out soon enough. Most of the people are like, what? And then I'll say like, I'll tell you what, like how many, f-ks, you know? And, and I'm like, body ache. Because my friends and family know body ache from me because I would play that all the time. So they were just yeah. like, they were like, this is a fun song. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be interviewing the person who helped write that. So. Thank you for making a dream come true. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) For the purpose of this podcast, we include all these charting songs and everything. You're on about seven of these that have charted, that have been singles and things like that. Oh, I think 14 something, maybe even more, which is crazy for me because I am a fan, you know, first and foremost. I don't know. I don't know if you can see this, but I have literally... and I like got an autograph from her and I wrote this I had a fan site for her like this is what people don't understand like I was like an actual sorry my nails are horrible um I love that it's a I love that it's a geo cities oh that freaks (laughs) you are an OG there should be no no question it was before myspace that was geo cities right there there was this one I was like a part of all the clubs there was one that was like Britney it was like Britney Spears.to or something and there was like a forum like I was in all of this stuff that's why it's so heartbreaking when I'm like why does everybody hate me this is just like if any fan was asked to do uh background vocals or do you just no like what are you talking about I don't get it well and that's the part where I kind of you know, in, in previous episodes, I was able to, I interviewed uh, David Sinospina, who was remixer of Baby One More Time. And yeah. I got to interview the um, the team behind The Beat Goes On. They produced oh, that. Oh my God, I remember that. And so I was like, and I just remember, that was the first time I'd ever heard of The Beat Goes On. I thought it was an original track. From Brittany? <laughs> yeah, I did actually, because my dad... Um was on the Sunny and Cher show. Like that was one of his first things. So, Shut he, up. <laughs> so I that and I thought that was so cool because I, I all I would do was play that album. My dad would tell me, oh, that's a, a Sunny and Cher song or whatever. And like, or 
whatever. So I thought that was super cool. So I definitely knew about that one. Well, but, and, uh, and I do think I will say this in my experience, because of the, the listeners that I have are not the trolls that the people that I know ha- use their energy in other ways. Like <laughs> it, it, it's the amount of time people put into obsessing about not liking something is beyond <laughs> beyond me. I was like, or I'm like, well, then why are like, then don't, why did you take the time to message me? Like, if I don't, if I hate something, like, I don't go messaging, like, Trump. (laughs) I'm not doing that. In my experience of the people that I know, and, and being able to interview and getting feedback from people that are not in the know, like, a lot of the listeners that that I have in this in this podcast have never, they know Britney, but they know, like, baby they and this is the way I always tell if somebody's like oh it's hit me baby one more time I'm like oh okay you can call it that but like I call it the you know the dot 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 baby one more (laughs) and so and then there's a separate separate group of I believe Brittany I'll use quotes fans aggressive just awful awful people yeah Um, and it sucks because you like I looked at this and in the songs that I have that are charting and, and singles and things of Britney's that I've kept uh, kept up with, there's 71 here. You came in at Circus with vocals yeah. and that was that was midway in her career that is right now. Yeah, yeah. And so you've been such a part of this, this legacy. And for me, I'm a fan because you're a fan, if that makes any sense. Like I love when yeah. somebody loves the artist well, and looks up to is like, this is probably weird to say, but like, okay, if I wasn't a fan, don't you think there would have been way more stuff coming from me? Like trying to like, I don't want to do anything that has to even, I barely even talk about her. Like I've had so many people approach me with interviews. The way you approached me was a little bit different than most people. Like I want to hear the drama. I want, and it's like, no, I don't respond to that because I'm a fan, because I have respect, because I don't want to do anything to tarnish her name. All I do is say, how, and I haven't even met her. That was the only time I ever met her, by the way, when I was 10. And I haven't since. And like, I'm just a fan. I'm not like trying to kill her career. I'm not trying to come for her vocals. I'm not, what am I doing? I'm just doing my job as, you know, that's also happens to be my job, but also as a fan out of respect for her. Well, and that's the part where in, in this podcast, I really wanted to go to like the business, the artistry, because I always refer to it as the art, because I think people forget that music is an art that these yeah. songs storytelling what you do is an art and to me you do it well and you do it consistently and I love the shout outs that you give to to other artists and things like that and it's for me it's like I like it because you're your own artist but you're also somebody who acknowledges these other artists that have paved the way that have had an impact in your career and any one of us would be like Brittany wants my voice on there. I will, if she wants me to lick a microphone to make a sound effect, I call me that person. Licker of microphone, James. If I'm able to be in a booth that she was just in 10 minutes ago, like that's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. You don't even have to pay me. You know what I mean? It's just, well, I don't know. We're talking about the, the art aspect of it. The fact that yeah. people don't get that you, you know, you're you're not making millions of dollars off of singing no. backup on circus do you know like no. it doesn't and so i kind of wanted to deep dive into that specifically because you've been through her career at the the, the apex of what people would call the comeback from circus and yeah. onward 
So I kind of want to talk about that because I think people don't understand Maya Marie, you're not making millions of dollars. You're not making thousands and hundreds of dollars on every Spotify stream. And neither are those songwriters on those songs. What's crazy is I've made more because of just, I think the sheer bulk of it, which is still not a lot of money um, off of background vocals more than writing because writing right now, the streams, you get paid like nothing. The only way I'm even, if I were to live off of royalties, I wouldn't be able to live. Um, I have to do other things like features and I now charge for songwriting because that's a thing that I'm, I'm trying to actually start a movement for songwriters to charge up front because otherwise people don't understand that we can't live. Like that's the only way I was able to even buy a home in Los Angeles is because two years ago I started charging up front. If I, there's no way I could live off. I mean, my royalties for writing body ache, I maybe get like a couple hundred dollars a year, maybe. Like I'm serious, like seriously. So I don't think people understand that either is that I'm not, I didn't get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to (laughs) do this. I would have loved to. That's the other thing is like, I didn't. And that's kind of what I want to talk about with this too, is you've written Body Ache and Body Ache charted on two separate charts. You know, it was a, it, it was a, it was on what hot dance electronics charts, top 20. It was number 12 on dance electronic digital songs sales. Like this is huge. And I don't think people get, and this is where I want your expertise. I think people think if they buy that one specific song for $1.29, that you as one of the songwriters is getting that. Can you explain to the, 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 the people that don't know, you know, because we can talk about like even points on albums and things like that, or like, how does that percentage work overall? Because well, they think uh, Britney makes her money off of that and that she doesn't make her money. Like she gets that advance ahead of time. That's that nice cushion. So, yeah, so that, explain to us. Even I'm confused about it, which is crazy because like we aren't taught this. We have to kind of like navigate our way through it. But I'm coming to this understanding because I'm like, hey, I'm not making any money (laughs) like so I had to start figuring it out like how do you make money where do you make money more and so a mechanical royalty so that would be from the master percentage that and that usually goes to the artist or the label if the artist isn't recouped but right you get an advance as an artist um because I've also been an artist on Capitol Records I was a part of a band so I kind of like got how some of this works um but no I wouldn't get standard like the way things are right now, which I'm trying to change as well, songwriters don't get a part of the master. So we wouldn't get any part of that uh, royalty. What we would get is publishing. So that's like streaming and radio and stuff like that. But as far as like buying the song, I don't even know if we get a percentage of that, honestly, unless you're on the master percentage of it. So Brittany would get a percentage of that. But that's and probably I- also up a million different ways too. Well, um, and, and that's the other thing to consider is a song like Body Ache, and especially in the from the early teens that, you know, 2010 onward, is it became norm to have so many different credits on there with different producers because they'll well, say you wrote the bridge or you wrote the beats or you did the beats. Yeah. So how this song started was it was actually just myself, um, Luciana, Richard Vision, and Luciana's husband, I believe, Nick Clow. So Richard and uh, Richard produced it and Luciana, Nick and I were writing it. So we wrote, uh, we left the bridge 
and we left a second verse open because we wanted um, like Brittany to write on it because sometimes that helps if you leave space open. So then David Guetta, I think, reproduced it. He brought somebody that reproduced it on it. So and then and then um, Anthony Preston, who was working on most, I think he wrote the second verse with Brittany. So that's how that was broken up. But yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Like you start with three people and then it's like 12. So. so so for you then, how is it that you they can take the song and, oh, let me rewind a bit. When you're in the studio, let's say you're you're laying down something, who's ultimately the ones that pays for that studio time? Because that's something that happens behind the scenes that people don't realize it costs to be in studios and it costs time, you know, yeah. and- if you have to keep going back, you don't just have some people are fortunate enough to have their own home home studio. That's not the case overall. Yeah. Not always. I mean, now it's more common. Like I have my own studio here. Um, we did that at Luciana's home studio. So that was of no cost to us. I mean, obviously it's a cost because you pay for all the equipment. <laughs> you have to pay rent and all that. Um, but that was a session that was, I'd written so many songs for Britney. It was like my dream, just get one. You know, I was like, please, and none of them. I have so many demos that just like never, or they leaked or something weird. But um, this one, I remember just being like, oh, the song's okay, honestly. <laughs> I was just like, okay, cool. And of course, that's the one that makes it right. The one you don't care about. I'm like, really? There's so many other songs that would have been so much better. <laughs> Um, obviously I, I love it cause she's on it, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just one of those that we like, we did it pretty quickly. Like, I wish I could have some crazy story that I'm like, it was about an actual backache. And I was mm -hmm. like, <laughs> but you're like, you're like, I came, it's like Florence, you know, Florence of the machine where she's like, I had a hangover and I wrote dog days are over. Cause I wanted this day to be done where it's these stories, but more times yeah. than not, there is yeah. no majestical no. <laughs> opening have like such a connection to those ones like don't I don't know if it's because you put too much importance on it and you're like this is like an energy thing but I, more often than not I found the things that I've gotten placed are ones that I'm either having a lot of fun doing like how much with um but I wrote with Justin Tranner for Eric that was just like a fun we were just joking totally love fun it. how many do I get how many do I get That was a 2016 track by Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Erica Jane, which became a number one song on Billboard's U.S. Dance Club songs. Um, it's re the really fun ones and kind of the ones you don't take too much, you're not taking too seriously. Well, so when you were working on Body Ache, was yeah. the Britney Jean project in, like, were there, was there the A&R executive producer saying, hey, we're looking for songs in this vein, in this style, or was this something that you were working on that just so happened to catch the ear of somebody who was working on this? No, I believe they were kind of looking for an Iconopop-ish thing. I think that was the direction. The way it happened was because Richard Vision, who produced it originally, was, uh, he's like friends with Will I Am. So, and at the same, I'm trying to remember if I was already doing background vocals, but I don't think I was yet. I may have done a couple. Um, this album actually, before it was Britney Jean, she was working on another like album with Rodney Jerkins. And I was a part of that as well, but that never, 
uh, came out. She and that's well, and that's something that's hard for people to get is that an artist or a label can say, you know what, we're shifting direction. So everything you worked on at this point just scratched. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if her or that was, but yeah, that can happen, you know, and it sucks for all the songwriters that had all these songs with her. Well, um, I, I was messaging with John Asher, who, who you, who you yeah. know. And yeah. I was I was talking about Mood Ring and I, I sent him a couple emails back and forth and I said, you know, Mood Ring and this renaissance of glory, everyone's like, oh, this is great. And he's like, I basically find out from fans who find out from somebody else that it was going to be released on streaming. It was He goes, I, you don't get months and months of knowledge because everything is so digital. There's no manufacturing wait time. No, I didn't know. And I do remember though. So I was I was starting to do background vocals for the Britney Jean project. So I knew what was happening. You know, I knew all the songs. Like I, I did way more than even came out. Um, and then one day Anthony called me, who was like Williams guy, Anthony Preston. And he's like, Oh, we're doing a song today. And so I'm going to need you to come in in a couple of days. He's like, I think you know it. And I was like, what? And he's like, Oh, it's body ache. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I didn't even know. I didn't know they had written on it. I didn't know. They even got like it was the same kind of thing. Like I had no idea, and then you still don't know until it comes out. You know, it's just well, and, the and whole what time cracked again. Well, and and what I really like, especially in this, in in talking with other songwriters and producers, producers, people that have worked for Britney projects, is what many of them appreciated was at no point was Britney Spears trying to take full writing credit for things she was not involved, where she was like, you know what, I added a boom. And then it's all of a sudden she gets 90% of the, no, you know. A lot of famously or infamously um, do that. And she has graciously never really done that. And I do know for a fact she did write on that um, second verse, so. I know you feel my fire, draw you into my flame Tonight we take it higher, what I got ain't no game Won't stop till you breathe heavy, there'll be no turning back I'm all up on you, on you, you want it, don't you, don't you You make my body, you make my body, you make my body, you make my body Which is, which is amazing because not only did you have a song that was cut by her But basically you no. wrote on the same song I, I, wrote with the <laughs> and and I will and I will say this I am a huge fan of the the Britney Jean album I think that the problem is it became a punching bag joke where people yeah. were like it's a flop it's terrible and I go you go back to it I love it like you know till There's it's gone really great songs there's so many that I wish would have made it that were really cool I don't even remember the names of them same with Femme Fatale there was like one or two that I'm like, why didn't those make it? But it happens. Well, so that was something I wanted to, to go back to is because you came on to work on a Britney project as as circus backing vocals. Yeah. You know, sounds- and I have, and I pulled up, um, you know, de- dealing with BMI, CSAC, ever like, yeah. you know, getting the publishing work order numbers and everything to go, okay, we know that some of these are more chronological order. Sometimes it's a random number yeah. that they put on there. But yeah. it's- it's cool to see an album evolve where they put it to rest. Cause John Asher was like, once we figure out the the splits, publishing is like, here, we yeah. have this. So from there, you know, Circus, from the looks of it, it seems as though a good chunk of the album was already done by, or 
had already been yeah. yeah when they called me in for that yeah that was a totally random thing that I had no idea again at random like I was I was working with um a group called Lays and Royal, who is my ex-fiance now, God, um, but one of them. <laughs> and they were signed to Cara Duvardi, who's songwriter. She was an American Idol at the time. Um, she wasn't American Idol yet, but she uh, was working with Teresa LaBarba Whites, who was A&R in Britney's project at that time. And we've been working a lot. So we had a bunch of songs, like, you know, every song that, what, that they would do, they would send to their publisher, who was Cara. So I guess Cara heard um, some of our stuff and sent it to Teresa, who sent it to Dr. Luke, who I am, I don't know, 18 in my like crappy apartment. And I get this email from Dr. Luke. And I was like, who, you know, I didn't know. And it was like, um, hi, come to Hollywood to record background vocals. I thought it was some weirdo. Cause I like had gone, you know, what <laughs> you're like, I've gone. seen that. I've seen that yeah. lifetime movie. You don't do it. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, what the hell? So then I get a call from the boys, Lays and Royals manager. And he's like, did you get an email from a Dr. Luke? And I was like, oh yeah, I don't know who this is. And he goes, uh, call this number. This is for Britney's project. And I was like, what? So I called and they were like, oh, we'll give you $500, $500 to do background vocals on Britney's project. And I was like, I'll be there. Like, I had and that's a, and that's big. That's big for somebody who's not working. First of all, anyone in any economy, especially yeah. during that time, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. I would have done it for free if they're like, "We're going to give you one sausage from like <laughs> from Seven Eleven." I'd be like, "Okay, cool, sign me up." They're like, they're I, like, here's gas money and a you know yeah. and a Jack in the Box or some restaurant thing. <laughs> my, my car was like totally broken like the actually the door one of my boyfriends oh my god had broken the door and so I had to climb in through the door because I couldn't open it so I literally like jetted over to I think it was Chalice Studios uh in Hollywood and that's when I first heard um Circus and I remember just being like oh my god this is crazy and yeah I think they had most of it done had she, um, so she'd already laid down her vocals for Circus yeah. then and yeah. here Here's the part where it's funny because musical, th one of my degrees is in theater and, and musical yeah. theater people get this where they're like, you know, sometimes you need those other voices, those vocals to beef up something. And they're That's like, it's normal in. <laughs> always, always. Like, I don't know. This isn't new. This has been but, done. Maya Marie, I blame you. There was no such thing as a backing vocalist until you arrived on the scene. <laughs> this is all your fault. <laughs> Created a whole new. No thing. one knew. No one knew what harmony was until you came into the picture. I blame you for being able to hit like, all these other notes. <laughs> I'd like to have this credit, but right, this is totally normal. And if you listen back, even from the old Britney days, you, there's so many like rando voices. If you really listen to like all Autumn Goodbye and like who are all these? If people early on look, it shows like backing vocals by. Brittany and and it lists somebody else. I could easily be like, Maya Marie, did you do X, Y, and Z and not do X, Y? Does Britney Spears even exist? I don't, that's not what, that's not what I'm for. What I love is talking about the music and the fact that like, there are so many voices from the beginning of her career that are back. Her, that's everybody. That's Celine Dion. That's Mariah Carey. That's, I mean, Mariah Carey started as a background vocalist. Like this is yep. nothing <clears throat> well, new. Like, I don't know why people such a big deal about, about it. 
I wanted to take a moment to talk about something. And as many of you know, women online get harassed, bullied. There's so much aggression online towards women, more so than men. And I've seen this with my own eyes. And I've seen Maya Marie be at the receiving end of nasty comments about her look, her sound, every and anything she's done. The thing is, Maya Marie was contracted to do a job as a backing vocalist. She did that. For those that don't like the songs or don't like the music, that's art. You can choose to like it, you can choose not to. If you don't like the songs, go to the producer, talk to the lady, reach out to these people. Maya Marie did her job, and as a backing vocalist, she only has so much say in the whole process. And it's just like if you had a bottle of shampoo that you bought and you didn't like, you thought it was faulty, whatever it is, you contact the manufacturer. You don't contact the model in the video, in the commercial. I'm not good with analogies, but my point is this. There's so much aggression out there towards women. It's people coming after Maya Marie who just did her job. You have an issue with it? Contact the people who made the overall product. Or don't listen to it. To spend time throwing out anger and aggression makes absolutely no sense to me because it doesn't seem productive at all. So I say this. Enjoy the art. Don't enjoy the art. Like the art. Don't like the art. It makes you feel. It doesn't make you feel. That's up to you. But I don't think anyone should be wasting their time going after somebody who just did their job. That's the hard part. And these comments towards Maya Marie are just absolutely disgusting. And anybody who says that they're a fan of, of Britney Spears or they're, they're a fan of women and, and they empower women, make sure that what you're putting out there lines up with what you say. Make sure your actions are on the same path as your words. Because if they're not, go back and figure out why. And I think what it does is that, if anything, in my experience, is it tarnishes the, the talent and skills that she has by saying, basically, she's a recording artist that's not recording or not doing this stuff, or no one's ever, you know, had backup singers that weren't themselves. It's tarnishing it because everyone has ever go to your, you know, whether it's the vinyl or go to CD, whatever it is, there are backing vocalists and yeah. you're helping employ other artists, other singers. And that's the part that I don't get why people are offended by it. When I had talked to Davidson Ospina about his remixing and producing of um, Baby One More Time, he was like, we had to do different different track version of the extended version for the clubs for the 12 inch and then maybe the 340 mix edit for the radio right mm -hmm. so there was always that that i would always make sure i deliver but the thing that a lot of people don't know is that when we deliver these productions these masters to them uh i we also deliver a like a like a, a, a what they call a tv mix so it's the actual backgrounds that she wouldn't be singing on top of the lead so it would be lower in the mix 
So like if she would perform the baby, if, if Britney was performing a baby one more time, but my version, I would, she would have a TV mix of it where I lowered all the backgrounds so yeah. that this way when she's singing, her harmony is, you know, she's singing the live lead, the top line, but then the, the background is, is, is playing. So those were TV mixes that people would deliver as well. Uh, you know, that, and in, in every remix I did it, they always wanted that because you never, they, they just wanted to have every version available in case something happened. So when you got part of this project, how was it for you as a backing single to know that you were ultimately taking part in this, what was going to be this huge I hate using the word comeback, but the general public calls it a comeback, knowing that you were helping create this sound. Oh, yeah, no, it was brought her back. Um, I also did do uh, separate vocals for the Vegas show as well, because she needs more behind her when you're singing. And then I know she re-recorded as well. I'm pretty sure she did. Uh, that's pretty standard. And would uh, you, so you re-record as a backing vocalist, do they give you like... I mean, you said they paid you 500 bucks or whatever to do it. If you yeah. had to go back, do you get, in any situation, if a backing vocalist goes back, do they pay you again, like kind of an hourly? Like, that's the part I don't understand is, or is I, it just like, hey, we just paid you for this whole project, whatever we need no, you for. That's a separate thing. So when that's all covered by Astra, um, so it's usually just like based on the Astra rates. Now, Astra. That is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Now, this is something when many people talk about being behind the scenes, um, they mention this, are they singing this, that. They hardly ever mention the actual logistics behind it. So this is an actual union. And just like with any other union, there are rules, regulations, laws, if you will, uh, that protect their members. And so something to keep in mind is there is a scale, which in general terms, it's a minimum daily or weekly rate established by, by the guild. Um, that's the negotiations, compensation, all of that is in there. Like once I became more of like a regular, it just kind of went to like, you know, general after rates, which you're protected by and whatever. Um, so definitely per each job. Something that I was curious about is this. We all know that big artists, and a lot of artists actually, they do not share the track listing the first day that they decide they're going to make an album, anything like that. Oftentimes there's an evolution. I wondered, Maya Marie writing Body Ache, if the song hasn't been released yet, or even ultimately decided if it's going to be in the final cut, how does one get their next job? Unlike a resume of working in an office where you can say, I worked here and I worked there, this is, you can't exactly say, I'm working on or I did this song with this artist because there are those times where you're not supposed to release that information. And honestly, sometimes you don't even know if it's going to be in contention. So I asked, how do you get the next gig, the next job? How do you do that if what you just worked on cannot be told to the world yet. I think it's just through through people that work with you that work with you know what I mean it's just it's really more of like a behind the scenes thing where somebody will recommend you like that's how I ended up you know because I did so much of the Britney stuff then they called me in for some of the Selena stuff and like you know it just word of mouth. So had you heard knowing when you were working on Body Ache even when they they brought you back in to say hey after David Guetta redid this and somebody re 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 yeah. redid this, um, <laughs> did you get to hear any of the other songs that were being worked on for that album to kind of go? Yeah. I see where they're going. 
Yeah, I did. But it's still, you never know. Like, it's so all over the place. And you, I tried to listen to it, like, with that ear. I remember I was just starting to work on, so I kind of had an idea of, like, what was happening and what was missing and what they had. And so that's always a good advantage as a songwriter to kind of know what's what's going on. Um, but you really just never know. You just want to make a good song. I think if you try to calculate it too much, which I've done in the past, because I tried to do that with like every other album, you know, with Femme Fatale, I was like, oh, they have this. And I remember I wrote a song called Gasoline. Then of course I go in and I record a song called Gasoline. And I'm like, damn it. Like, <laughs> You're like, can it be Gasolina? Can we <laughs> you can, and I wrote this, yeah, Gasoline I wrote with John Asher. It was like one of my favorite songs actually. And God, we always were like, did they, did they copy us? Like. <laughs> Well, and that's, I think that's something, what you just brought up is important as the creative side, as a songwriter, you know, you yourself, you can have the best song, but it could also sound or fit that ballad spot that something already else is in. It's kind of a ballad, um, and it, or it uh, has the same title or it has the same concept, like, so, you know, so with luck of the draw sometimes like I said like I was working with Richard Vision who happened to be close with Will I Am so it's like it's so relationships and timing and I don't think there's really any way you can calculate well and there's there's something that I think the the consumer doesn't get is let's say you did five songs that sound fantastic and you're working with a new rap artist and these features are great then all of a sudden that artist has a song that comes out that is in a similar vein it's like you want to be the first one out there rather than sound like you're mimicking yeah, that other sound. Components. And I said whole albums can be scratched. Like she can record 20 songs that never come out. I mean, I'm, you know, I've heard a bunch of songs that she's recorded that never came out and that's just all part of it. And well, you know. and but so with you, when did you find out that body ache was going to make the cut? Was it almost like before the release date or was this like, you, yeah. you do right then and there. They're putting a lot of effort into this. We're we're going with it. Well, I didn't know. I mean, you never know until it's out, honestly. Um, you really don't because anything could change. I remember even John, like I think Mood Ring was supposed to come out on the first one and then it didn't until the Japanese cut. And like, you just never know. Like last minute it could be taken down. And even as artists, I know that side because I've been the artist that's like, oh, we want to put this out. And then it's like, no, you changed your mind or something happened, you know? And so then but, do you get, okay, so when we talk about you now as a songwriter for Body Ache, when this, mm -hmm. I don't know if you can see it here, there's the Britney Jean, just the album era right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, when that gets, re like the Urban Outfitters, I think this is the pink one. With the situation like that, can you explain, I know we talked about like song splitting and things like that, but on an album where you're writing, what rights do you have? What sort of royalties do you get from like, let's say this, the the vinyl or the CD or anything like that? Like as a songwriter, there is money that eventually comes down to one way or other versus a backing vocalist track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't get really royalties as a backing vocalist, but for publishing it's like for mostly like radio streams but again it's so small <laughs> the percentage you get um that we're really trying to I think rethink unless you have a huge radio hit that's really like when you make a lot of money is when it's a huge radio hit like a number one literally well and I think that's what people don't get and I've been for the past couple of years now 
researching with like the songwriter issues and all of these outdated 1900 laws that I'm like. Yeah, I mean, streaming, it's like 0.00000111%. And then that's just, that's for the whole pie. They don't take into account there's nine writers on this song. So now we're splitting up. 0.000 Point zero 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 blah, 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 divided by nine and and then your publisher gets half of that so then you get half of that that teeny teeny percentage so and it's yeah. and what's messed up is and i you're you're a music fan i remember when tlc really put it out yeah. there for those listeners you know i like to use facts and numbers so here's something left i said you know, basically, how can you sell 10 million albums and be broke? Here's what she did. She broke it down. So on an album, there are 100 points, 100 points. Now, TLC was given seven points, which equal about eight cents for each point. So they would get 56 cents when each album was sold. Now, what would happen is the 10 million records means $5.6 million dollars. Then if the label spent $3 million on producing it, commercials, marketing, all that, well, they recoup that cost, which is why a lot of times you hear other people coming in, you hear uh, singers doing their own backup vocalist or having other people do their backup vocals, that's less cost, okay? So they would end up with $2.6 million left. Well, then the taxes at that point, you're about 49, 50% tax bracket, which then leaves you $1.3 million. From there, there were three members in TLC. Divide that by three. You end up with 300K. Well, Left Eye pointed out that you could buy a nice house with 300K, but how are you going to pay your bills? The fact that you had a song that was cut on a Britney album and you could not stop working for the rest of your life should be telling because Britney is still, even... If they say Britney isn't selling what she used to, no no one is selling what they used to, but Britney is still a high standard. I want to go through because for this, for the Original Doll podcast, what we have is for every question that you've answered, we donate uh, items to different charities and things like that. One of the things so far that you've been doing is, and we talked before with the giving tree in these books. So what what I'm going to do is all these questions that you've answered, we're going to be giving kids around the Chicago area books with the giving tree we're going to give them journals pens pencils and everything so they can start writing and creating their own so thank you for that and so if if the listener wants to is it better for them to stream your music or to purchase that music for you as a as an artist what is better Um, ultimately the best thing you can do is join my patreon (laughs) because right now i have everything on there and i actually am putting up new songs like I've been putting them up kind of weekly this past month. I want to start really doing more of that because then I know you're actually listening to it. um, And I have direct contact with everybody who's a member. Like you're part of my special little club. I'm sending everybody um, free autographed pictures this month if you join. But yeah, that's the best way. How do they find you on Patreon? Um. I think it's patreon.com slash Maya Marie, but you can also just go to my website, mayamarie.com and it's on there. And we aren't finished with Maya Marie. We will have her in the next few episodes. So keep an eye out. Subscribe to us on whatever streaming platform you prefer. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, the.original.doll, or on Twitter, at James Rodriguez.
Now flipping to the other side, we're going to be talking to Trace Adam, who many Britney fans know as somebody who's been producing great remixes of Britney Spears music for the past couple of years. Uh, and the great thing is Trace is kind enough to be our guest over the next few episodes as well. So this episode, we learn a little bit about Trace Adam and his process and why Body Ache he thought would be a good song to add a little elevation to. And I was trying to isolate the vocals um, and it wasn't really working out well, but it, it worked out well in the end because I ended up talking to the record company and I was like, hey, I'm working on this other one. Um, do you happen to have the vocals for these? And they did. Um, so they sent me those over. Um, I worked on that, which was super fun. That was Trace Adam talking about his collaboration with Ace of Bass, and we'll have more of that coming up on a bonus episode of the Original Doll Podcast with James Rodriguez. I started my conversation with Trace talking about him being a music producer, and specifically his reworking of music productions. Now, when we talked with David Ospina and talked with other music producers who remixed songs, many times they were commissioned right off the bat by a label and from there the label would send them kind of the ingredients in the song whether it was the vocal backing stems main instrument bass all of that what they would do is if it were like a cake recipe the label would send the producer a box with all the specific ingredients used in this well nowadays the labels aren't really spending much money on new productions and remix productions not saying that there aren't there but that's not in this case Trace is a fan of music, so what Trace has done was start creating his own remixes, his brand new music productions, and in order to do that without getting all of those ingredients, he would basically have to start from scratch. One of the ways he starts, isolating the vocals. Um, and well, then and can I you, sent it. Can you explain to the listener yeah. what is isolating the vocals mean? For those that are listening and not knowing this whole, pro like I know mm -hmm. what isolating the vocals is. So basically isolating vocals means you take the song and you try to subtract basically any instrumental parts from it. Um, and there's a couple different ways of doing that. Uh, but the easiest way is if you happen to have an instrumental available. Of course, the best way is if, you know, you just have the vocals separately, it's so much easier to remix. Um, and it's actually when when you only when you can only isolate it yourself, you end up with um, sometimes you end up with some fragments of the original song, which is definitely a challenge when remixing, because if you have those fragments in the original song, you have to find some way to work those in uh, or you can't really make it the remix as varied or as different as you'd want to because you know the, the original sounds might conflict um and sometimes in case of in the case of some britney songs i've actually taken uh the bits of the song that um i can filter out and i, I basically make a whole instrumental track and then filter that out of the the regular song to make a acapella. That's amazing and time consuming. <laughs> amazing it's, and time. It's so time consuming. Um, because a song that's only like three minutes long, it could take you hours and hours just to do the bridge or so, you know what I mean? Where you're just like 
and it's still not quite where you need it to be and you're hearing mm -hmm. it but then repeatedly you're listening to the same parts over and over and over and that's just got to be maddening when you're like this yes. part won't work <laughs> exactly um especially if like you have like a whole remix and everything else works except one part and it's i i've I've made the mistake of uh, basically making remixes before isolating the vocals before, just like assuming that I would be able to. You know, you have like this whole track and you're not able to do anything with it because the vocals just don't work with it. Um, even in the case of um, my Make Me remix, um, that one I did in, basically I did that in 24 hours because I, wow. <laughs> I really wanted to be the first remix out there because... Um, if you're the first remix out there, you're the only remix out there. And that's that's kind of when I was starting out a little bit more. Um, and I couldn't uh, get the acapella clear for the chorus of that song because there was no instrumental at the time. It was basically just the original song. Um, so I ended up taking um, parts of Ooh La La and readjusting the vocals in that to nice. make a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So. <laughs> Everyone is like, how did you do that? A lot of people, civilian style, will think, oh, you're just a remixer. But it's like, I know you're a music producer. You're mm -hmm. producing. And I think that's the part that gets lost with some people, that you're not you're not easily taking all parts of A and all parts of B from here and just making them work. You're creating sometimes from there or many times from the ground up. Mm -hmm. The question I have is you creating your own productions of an icon, like Britney in, in Britney's discography, you know, a song, you know, first of all, how soon after Britney Jean was released, did you start working on Body Ache? Um, honestly, probably like early... I, I think that one came out 2016. Um, so probably early 2016 is when I was working on it, um, when I started using the software. Um, so were you doing that as like Glory was about to come out in 2016? Right before Glory came out. So uh, before Glory, but uh, close to the release, I guess. Um, and I, I really chose Body Ache because I, I do think it's a very good song. I think it's well-written. I think it's melodic. But I do think on the album, it's a bit under-realized for what, like, it could be. So instead of, like, making a totally different remix, I wanted to do something that was just more of, like, a, you know, like, like what if they had spent a little bit more time working on it? Like, what if this album wasn't as rushed as it had been? Um, like even with Work Bitch, I think Work Bitch is a good song, but um, if you listen to like the Seventh Heaven remix of it, I, I don't know if you've heard that one specifically, but that one to me just sounds like what it would have sounded like if they had worked on it a little bit longer. It just, it brings it to that next level. And I think that's the part because I think 
there has to be admiration from the music producers for the original work. Yeah. And, it, and it's never, that was crappy. It's always like, <laughs> I liked where they went with this. I want to take yeah. it this way. That, And all, to be fair, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have had yours. If we mm -hmm. didn't have this, we wouldn't have had that. So I wanted to know, specifically with dealing with Britney, how do you keep a Britney song where ultimately Britney fans are going to want to listen to it. What is the essence that in general, whether it's Trip Your Heart, all that, what is the essence you like to keep for a Britney song or the soul, if you will, that you go, no, I cannot take mm -hmm. that from it. What are some of those things? Well, honestly, I'm not really sure because there are some Britney songs that um, I've done that I've just completely transformed. Like um, my mix of Alien and my mix of um, Do You Want to Come Over are totally different than the originals. And that's just because personally, um, I wasn't really feeling the originals that much. So I, I just wanted to... Um, basically with those, I, I had made instrumentals previously and I was just kind of listening to them on my own. And then I was like, you know what? I, I bet I could, you know, tweak, do you want to come over to fit this? And I, I was, that was a very, very involved production. Um, I basically changed almost everything melodically for that one. You want to come over? And uh, I made it so like uh, the what uh, whatever you want, whatever you need. She wasn't really singing it in there. She was just kind of saying it. So I um, used melody to make it uh, make it sound like she was singing it. And then I added harmony layers and stuff like that. But for me, like to like keep um, like the Britney feel in songs, I guess, is there are some that I, I try not to change too much. Um, but that's really only if I like really, really like the song, I guess. Um, and that, that honestly, I like most of Britney's songs, but um, some of them I just, you know, want to do something different with. Well, and that's something where I think, I think somebody who's a fan of music can appreciate Britney's songs, Britney's music for it being Britney's songs and Britney music. Like, I love the fact that you can put on, you know, Body Ache or you can put on Work Bitch or and just really vibe with it, like have a good time with it. And I think that's really the essence of what I think is like Britney's discography is there's always energy in it. There's, mm -hmm. it, there's always a feeling that you get. I mean, even in perfume, like you feel it. And I think it gets lost in the fact that many times people think pop music can't have a deeper meaning or deeper feeling. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the case at all. And I do think to your point, adding harmonies, adding those layers helps beef up that that, mm -hmm. that vibe i think it's difficult because people don't get that what you do truly takes musical talent yeah and it's surprising to me that people don't understand you don't just pick it up and learn it in two seconds and master it in two seconds oh i've been doing this like literally forever it's it's hours and hours um on the computer every day and i mean um, a lot of times you, you need time to um, figure out what you want to do with a track. 
um, like I, I started working on something and usually like day one, I'm like, this is crap. Uh, I need to just rest on it and then come back to it later. Um, and, you know, think of other things I can do, which is um, an issue with um, trying to be the first remix out there a lot of times too, because you don't have time to uh, really like give it time to settle in your mind and think of things that you want to do differently. Um, like with Make Me, I just pulled an all-nighter, did the whole, whole mix. Um, but, but in hindsight, um, it, it's probably one of my most popular Britney mixes, but there's so much um, that I would have done differently if I had had the time to, um, to change it up and uh, you know not be the first one out there. But the thing is, if, if it wasn't the first one out there, it wouldn't be as popular um, as, as it ended up being. And it's difficult with artists like this because Britney, 22 years now, 22 plus years, you have people that just want her to be the same person she was 22 years ago. And she's going exactly. to be 40. She's going to be 40 this year. It's mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I want the same 16 year old acting the way they did in their 20s, 30s. You know, you still have several decades to catch up to us. But it's, <laughs> I, but I'm sure like you've grown in the past five years or 10 years. And mm -hmm. artists want to grow. And I think the sad part is society doesn't want artists to grow, but will fault them if they do grow, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. You can only grow so much, you know. Yep. It's safe enough for us to call it okay. Yeah. During this time where there's no, there aren't clubs open right now. There aren't. Yeah. Where, where do we go with dance music? What becomes of it? I mean, honestly, it's it's difficult that clubs aren't open because um, your your music just isn't getting that exposure that it used to get. Um, of course, like it's it's not going to be the same as like radio play um, music being played in clubs. Um, but it is nice, um, especially when um, when I when I was working at a club before uh, all this happened, it's nice to get that feedback of stuff that, you know, is you're, you're working on in progress. It's nice to get feedback on the dance floor of what people think, um, based on, you know, just what you're working on. Um, obviously there's, there's still radio play. There's still people doing, um, you know, like in home type of type of DJ sets. Personally, I, I like DJing and doing that kind of stuff, but my my bigger love is is more producing and um tra like transforming the music um but i think that uh things are going to be very different club wise once uh once this is all over whenever that is as we come to the end of this episode i wanted to let you know that we do have more maya marie and trace adam in the next couple of weeks so be sure to subscribe like rate the original doll podcast with james rodriguez on your preferred streaming platform one thing i wanted to point out and i think many people don't realize this is we're talking about royalties and songwriters and getting their fair share cut so what it comes down to is this Songwriters, they get a guaranteed royalty from every unit sold, CDs, vinyl, cassette, etc. These royalties are paid out differently in each country. Then you have the digital mechanical royalties, which are generated in the same way as the physical mechanical royalties. 
except for they're paid whenever a song is downloaded. Now, places like Amazon or iTunes, they generate and pay these royalties to songwriters whenever a song is downloaded. That rate is about nine cents, okay? Streaming royalties, those are generated from reproduction, distribution of copyrights. They're generated, and this is important, they're generated anytime a song is streamed through a service that allows you, the listener, to pause, play, skip, download. So this means Apple Music and Spotify. Now, their royalty rate, what I wanted to point out is this. For Spotify, for the song Body Ache, which is what this episode is about, the song has achieved about 6.3 million streams since it was released in 2013. Now, using the streaming royalty rate, the song generated about $25,200. In the bonus episode of the Original Dot Podcast with Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license, the revenue gets split between the label, the publishing producers, etc. Now, here's the crux of this whole discussion about songwriting. The music business website, Hyperbot, they published an article and said, for Spotify... Labels and publishers often get 50 to 90% of the revenue, okay? So let's just take the low end of that, 50% of the revenue. So let's say the 25200 that's coming from Body Ache the Song, only 12600 is left for the artist and everyone who is involved in making the actual song. So if the song has about 10 individuals who handled songwriting and, and producing, that would mean that each of those people only made about $1,200 for that song in its eight years of being on Spotify. Now, this is an estimation and conservative look at these numbers, but I just, I like to put these in there so you see how important this is. That a lot of these archaic laws and rules and policies for paying songwriters, it's kind of ridiculous. And what the article also pointed out is that out of the 2 million artists on Spotify right now, the top 1% make 77% of all the artist revenue. So you hear that? That 1% is basically taking that 77% of the revenue. Now, as you know, it may not be surprising that those top 1% get millions of streams. The issue is... The current system of dividing those revenues in such a way, it places the other 99% of artists at a serious disadvantage. A signed solo artist needs to have over 1 million streams on Spotify just to make the federal minimum wage. So the question is, how do you support these artists? And what I've seen and what I know that works is go to their Patreon page commission them for work, collaborate with them. They're artists, and artists love to collaborate. So do that. Share their work. If you don't like their work, if you don't like their art, then just move on past it. No need to waste hours and hours on art that you just don't like. So I want to thank Maya Marie and Trace for being a part of this podcast. For those who are listening for the first time, this is what the podcast is. We talk about the art. We talk about the things that go on behind the scenes. All of those producers, songwriters, the people that kind of deserve their shine. The people that create the art that led to the legacy 
that is Britney Spears. It really does take a village. So, as we end this episode, I want to remind you that you can follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, and you could message me directly on Twitter at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Now, there are several on Twitter. Uh, I'm the one that Britney Spears is following, so if you see that, you got the right person. The other thing is, this year with New Year, not knowing what is happening with art and concerts, artists, just remember, art is a way to communicate. That is not going to stop. So these artists are going to still create art. Question is, will you help support their art? And here's a sneak peek of an upcoming episode with Trace Adam, where we talk about Matches, his production, the song with Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. Special shout out to Pam in Italy for your continued support, Maya and Grant in Chicago, Britney in California, Jenny in England, Cinnamon California, Sven in Sweden, and Arnold in Malaysia. Um, when you first start, uh... When you first start making a song, you just you keep listening to it over and over and over again. And there comes a point where you're just you're just sick of listening to it. And there's songs that um, I've worked on that, you know, after just a month of hearing the same thing, I just don't ever want to hear it again. But then you hear it like months later and you're like, wow, I really like this. Like um, and you have a newfound respect and, you know, feel for it, even though you haven't heard it in so long. James Rodriguez signing off. I'll see you on the flip side.